a lot of great things about video games that when you play it, and sometimes you don't really know exactly why you like certain things. I think that sometimes music is that case, and you see that in film and in television as well. You have people who will really say, wow, I love this song, I love this music, I love the way it was put together. However, you have other people that don't really pay attention to it until later. In gaming, you have a group of people who love remixes and tracks from video games, and you have other people who kind of let it pass by. But make no mistake that music is very important to telling a story, to conveying emotion. And I don't, I don't think that there's really anyone else, at least that I've heard of recently, that, that's been able to convey this as much as our guest today. Um, he is a uh, sound music engineer out of Los Angeles and had tons of credits to uh, him, not only in video games, but in films. Uh, I mean, like even like cartoon films like Justice League Flashpoint. I mean, that was like one of my favorite, uh, uh, you know, t uh, films in the comic books that I saw recently. And of course, uh, video games like Star Wars Battlefront and films as well. I mean, Breaking Bad as far as TV series. So we're really, really happy today to be joined by uh, John Rod. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Jay. Thanks. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, I guess the best thing is to just start uh, from the beginning. Um, I guess everybody has like, you know, that start that they say, you know, I want to do something, though some people, I guess maybe they can end up loving and wanting to do something as a career later in life. Uh, for you, was there, did the idea of wanting to work in music, did it come at an early age? And if so, how did it start? Yeah, I was I was very lucky that uh, in in my family's home there was a a decent turntable and a uh, I convinced my father to buy a, a decent set of headphones and I had some three older sisters and they were into all different kinds of music but the Beatles there were Beatles records around and I remember listening with headphones and as a very very young kid I remember just somehow figuring out what a music engineer was I don't I don't know how I figured that out it was obviously before the age of the internet but um I was very interested in sound and music uh I did all sorts of typical music engineer stuff you know when you're younger I ended up uh playing with synthesizers uh studying the trumpet playing in bands but also theater lighting design uh photography and even playing with the tape machines i don't actually remember how i got these ancient little tape machines to play with but uh, i think they were at uncles or something so but it was really a mix of photography and things that had time that were temporal in terms of music and uh, theater and technology and i'm very very lucky i've been able to put it all together and make a career out of out of it and I uh, really love what I do and enjoy what I do very very much yeah I mean a lot of people I guess have uh, people that they look up to and as far as like let's say if you're a writer you may have books and things that uh, you grow up reading and things like that did you have that as far as music as musical scores that you said hey when I heard this it's like okay these are the people that I'm looking for uh, to emulating or you know inspiration or someone you look up to yeah, there's a, there's a funny story there. I'll, I'll try to keep it as short as possible. But when I was 11 years old, 1977, I'm dating myself, um, episode four, you know, the first Star Wars film came out. And I literally snuck out of my parents' house. I said I was going to clean my room, and I, I was all set up. And I snuck out of the house, which I'd never done before. Uh, I, I was a good kid. And uh, I went to the movie theater and saw Star Wars because I knew what it was about, but my parents were afraid that it might be too violent for, you know, too, not too violent, too grown up. They, they were afraid it would be too grown up for a, an 11-year-old. 
fair enough. You know, it was before the age of the internet, and you know, things were different then. So the film blew my mind. The special effects, I, I thought maybe I wanted to work in special effects or the you know, models, but the music was incredible, and I loved the music as well. And the John Williams score was just unbelievable. I'd never heard anything like it. Um, that I guess the world reacted the same way. So that was really a tipping point for me. And uh, there have been lots of little influences over the years, but I will never forget watching that film. Uh, and it's, I've now worked on four Star Wars video games all in all. We can talk about that later on when we get there. And uh, it's just such a thrill to be a small, a tiny part of the Star Wars universe, to have my hands on the music. Uh, it, it, it's just unbelievably cool. Now, I mean, I had to see like the difference because I read some of the other interviews that you've done and like what sound mixing is is about being an engineer recording music uh, recording engineer and it there was some stuff that's like I was like wow these guys are really into music it's kind of like when you go to the audio video club and you see these people are like oh you think you have a sound system we actually modified our walls to make sure we get the right reverb and stuff like that um, I think that sometimes, you know, people may not understand the difference between being an engineer and then someone who is a composer or something like that. Could you just tell us a little bit about exactly, uh, you know, your career path, your job? Absolutely. So in, uh, in most films, almost all films and most television shows, especially dramatic ones and, and so forth, original music is written. So there are very talented people, much more talented than me, that write the music for that project. Uh, if it's for a film, it's to the picture, generally. Uh, and if it's for a video game, that's uh, a whole other discussion we can get into. But original music is written for these things, such as John Williams for the first Star Wars film. Uh, and the subsequent five, I guess it was, after that. Or, sorry, six. Sorry. Slow on the math. <laughs> and, uh, right, because episode seven's out now, of course. Um, so these people write the original music, and then orchestrators take that music and to a greater or lesser degree flesh it out for the orchestra and say oh, well let's double this woodwind melody in the in the celli or whatever and they flesh it out further and make sure it gets onto the the printed music correctly and of course music doesn't have to be just orchestral it could be electronica which means there might be synthesizers or uh, guitars or or anything and um so those people need someone like me to go and record the music, be it a singer or an oboe or a guitar or a 100-piece orchestra, and then also mix the music to adjust all the little levels. And basically, my analogy is to take the raw materials, take the clay, so to speak, and polish it into a final sculpture. And there are lots of different ways to take a lump of clay and make it into a sculpture, and that's what mixing is, is the final adjusting, panning, level, reverb, just the, the, the final adjustments, um, and make the music sound great on its own and also in the project. So I, that's what I do. I'm a music engineer. I record music, I mix music, and then also for record things and film scores and, and so forth, I do some mastering, which is more of a sort of a record industry kind of thing, but it's, it's, uh, I do it for video games as well. So you also uh, went to university to, to get uh, schooling in this. And, you know, I know anyone who works in entertainment or whatever field that they're trying to go into, you know, they usually talk about the first big thing that they did first out of university. Can you tell us about what that was for you? Yeah. Um, right when I came out of university, I was actually working as a rock video assistant editor um, and 
picture editor assistant kind of thing. It wasn't really my passion by then. Uh, I'd figured out that I really wanted to be a music engineer, but I wanted to be at work at a great studio. I wanted to really cut my teeth at not a, a little tiny facility, but you know, a big facility with all different types of music and and film scores would be great and that kind of stuff. So I worked at a studio called uh, Manta, which is sadly no longer in existence, uh, but that was from 1989 for about five years. Um, I worked at Manta and assisted and apprenticed under uh, a, a number of great, great music engineers and learned a ton of stuff, what to do and also sometimes more importantly, what not to do. Um, so that's really where I, I I learned the majority of what I know. I mean, I've been learning as I go, of course, and refining my skills. But those four or five years at that one studio where I worked with different engineers and in different studios really was where the meat and potatoes of my skill set was really crafted. So, I mean, you've... I was just looking over the different things that you've done. I mean, working on films, working on TV, things like that. Um, what was, I guess, maybe the biggest person that you, you know, worked with that you'd be like, wow, like maybe you went home or you told your friends or something that you're like, hey, I worked with this person. Um, I, I've been incredibly fortunate that I've worked with tons and tons of really interesting artists, uh, singers, bands film score projects, albums over the years. Um, and it, it would be really hard to single out just one. Uh, I will say that when I moved to Los Angeles, 1997, uh, and I was working, gosh, that's like 19 years ago. Um, when I first moved to LA, I was working as uh, an assistant engineer at an amazing studio called Ocean Away in Hollywood, which used to be Great Western, which is where the Beach Boys worked, and I mean, an incredible, incredible set of studios in, in Hollywood. And that was my first job in LA. And I will say that um, one of my very, very early sessions with, was with Eric Clapton. Nice. And, and it, was, um, it was a whole band playing together, like the way they used to make records to a certain degree. Um, and so it was Greg Gans on keyboards and Steve Gadd on drums and just oh, Marcus Miller playing bass and producing. And, uh, you know, arguably the best band in the world or like just an insane, insane collection of musicians. You know, things would happen like the producer would say to, to Eric Clapton, hey, what do you think about putting um, some background, some female background vocal, like a single background vocal on this one song? What do you think, Eric? And Eric would go, yeah, I think that'd be good. Hang on, let me call Cheryl. And he just picks up the phone, dials a number, and it's Cheryl Crow. And she and she was a superstar at that time already. And she just came to the studio two days later, and she was completely cool. And she sang amazingly well, of course. She used to sing background for Michael Jackson at the beginning of her career, I understand. And like experiences like that. And I'm sitting there going, uh, this is just... I, I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Cheryl, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Knew the number by heart, just big dialed, called, and it was it was just and every and she was super cool and and Mr. Clapton was super cool and it just everyone was just amazing and everyone playing at the top of their game and somehow I joined into the party it was just unbelievable and you know, when I was I was on staff at 20th Century Fox on the film scoring stage for seven years um, subsequently as their uh, orchestral scoring recordist and worked on tons and tons of films there. And the first Matrix film was also an unbelievable experience because we had never seen anything like it. The directors were super cool and happy to chat about their film and the groundbreaking film that The Matrix was. 
And I was just so honored to be a part of that team. It was just incredible. So there have been lots of pretty amazing oh wow moments in my life. But I will say, very importantly, I think it's in my nature. I think it's in my DNA. But I learned very early on, right from the beginning, day one, I think it's just who I am. I treat everyone exactly the same. It doesn't matter if you're doing a demo tape and you have no money and you have no name or if you're Cheryl Crow and Eric Clapton. I treat you exactly the same way as a regular person but with lots of respect and lots of politeness. That's just who I am. And that's really served me very well in my career and in my life. I think that's, uh, that's part of the key to my success. It may be accidental, but it's worked really well. Yeah, and I, I I agree with that. I think that it's important that when you're working with somebody, you know, you try and keep that level. I mean, not only does it keep you from, like, geeking out, <laughs> but it also can help you build relationships. I mean, maybe next thing, you know, um, you know, Eric Clapton is like, hey, you know, I got John. <laughs> I called him, you know, just like that because, you know, it was such a nice experience because a lot of times, I, I, you know, it's like when I talk to people, people say, hey, you know, it's how someone treated me. You know, sure, it's great to have the gushing fan, but if someone just talks to me as a regular person, you know, I remember that and I appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, it's, 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 uh, I was actually thinking, trying to think earlier, I can't think of one, okay, maybe one example in 30 years of someone who clearly wanted to be treated like a diva superstar, you know what I mean? But one person who shall remain nameless in 30 years, okay, maybe two. Um, that's, that's remarkable. I mean, I, I've you know, met you too and, and uh, all, all these amazing legendary film composers and uh, people just want to be taken care of and liked and they just want to have a good time. It's, it, I think people are pretty much the same inside. Well, I mean, I, I have to ask now. I know you can't say a name. I don't want to get any, anybody in trouble. But, I mean, can you tell us a little bit about maybe what it was, what kind of diva stuff did this person want? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah. Uh, they wanted to record their lead vocal lying on the floor, which was incredibly hard. I don't know if you know microphone stands, but to try to microphone someone, like a mic's designed to be like here, and they wanted to lie on the floor in the pitch black and have the mic, and it was, that was tough. And there, there was lots of... Oh, there was one other person who. Did was they there. have a hangover? <laughs> that sounds like so. Like, look, I'm really laid out, but I think I can belt this out. Turn down the lights and just put the mic next to my half dead body. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was someone who was. It was a, an actor who was a part of a, a, a musical, and it was. It's a long story, and I, I can't get into the, the details. I, now that I'm thinking about it, okay, there have been a couple of eccentric people I work with, but you know, you just have to smile and. No problem, and sure, I can make that happen. <laughs> I I remember when I actually started watching like documentaries and seeing like behind the scenes stuff, and I love that kind of stuff. Uh, before we go on, was there anything like you saw someone had like a ritual? Because man, I didn't realize how much goes into like some of these performances. Yes, this person uh, maybe have done tons of records, concerts, but still, when you get to an event or a film or something, a lot goes into it. Did you ever see like a ritual or something that somebody did that you were like, wow? Um, I think, you know, nothing comes to mind. I think people kind of tend to do that stuff in private, perhaps, like yeah. in the restroom or something. Um, so, yeah, nothing comes to mind, but uh, uh, I've definitely been lucky enough to see some great performances and, and, you know, amazing musicians that can just sort of turn that on and off. I worked with um, 
a number of members of the Rolling Stones on a blues album years ago, actually back when I was at Ocean Way. And, um, and it, was, it was, I guess it was pretty much, uh, Charlie Watts wasn't playing drums, but it was the rest of them were there. And it was um, pretty awesome. They just, they came in and they were kind of a bit, kind of, a, uh, you know, mellow shall I say and then we hit record and they just turned it on and it was electric and I'd never seen a band before do that in that kind of way it was just when it was showtime boom they were there 100% and uh, that was also amazing they just electrifying so that was pretty cool one of the things that I saw in some of the interviews was how you talked about making the right emotion and this can be in a game and film and television and you know, I really thought about it, and it's like based on what you talked about, you know, mixing and putting in the right music and working with people who have, you know, composed these songs. Um, what is it exactly that it takes to really know how to get that feel? Because sometimes people overlook that, and they don't even realize when they say, "Man, you know, when I was playing this game or watching this film, the music it just it just popped. I mean, perfectly with it." So, can you tell us a little bit about that process, about hitting that emotion in, in film, television, and games? Sure. I'm, I'm very, very lucky in that a lot of the heavy lifting, not to sound totally humble or anything, but a lot of the heavy lifting has been done in terms of orchestration and composition. So uh, the, the table is kind of laid for me. Uh, but to make an analogy or to you know, make an example, for example, if I'm recording a singer, if I put the microphone right by their face, and if they sing quietly into it or breathy, it'll be a very intimate, very close sound. But now I could take that same recording and I could put a whole lot of artificial reverb on it, which makes it sound like you're in a parking garage kind of thing, like a long tail after the sound. So I could take that same intimate, warm, present vocal and I could bathe it in delays and reverb and processing and make it sound like they're actually very far away. And so I could make them sound intimate and with you or I could make them sound sort of far away and potentially lonely or you know depending on the song and that's just one example of one performer uh, you know I'm on the star on the EA Star Wars Battlefront game for example uh, there were uh, you know about a hundred piece orchestra a very very large orchestra so I have microphones for both the room and I also have microphones on all the, the instruments as well, the spot sections, the, the violin sections, the woodwinds, you know, the percussion, what have you. So again, I have all these choices in terms of making things sound close or far away. I can make them sound bright, like on a home stereo, you have tone controls. I don't know if anyone ever has home stereos anymore. Do people still have home stereos? <laughs> the people I, that I, really I... <laughs> care about that setup, yes. The expensive ones I've seen. Okay, on your car. On your car radio, there you go. <laughs> on the car radio, you have like a treble control and a bass control. Um, and, you know, so I, I have those controls too. I can make things bright or I can make them dark or, you know, I can, I can sculpt the sound and shape the sound in lots of different ways. So what, what I'm getting at is to create the mood and the emotion, I have to really pay attention, of course, to what's the project, what does the composer want, what does the scene call for, what does the project call for, what's on the screen or what is the game like or what's happening in the game at that moment, um, you know, is it action music? Uh, is it, you know, whatever, that kind of stuff. So there are lots of things to help guide my path, but I have to, of course, pick and make my own path, make a bridge, I suppose. Um, and it's tremendous fun. 
and I enjoy the collaboration with the composers who hire me because they're all, they're always options and they might say, you know, John, that's a little too sad or a little too spacey or a little too aggressive sounding or it's not aggressive sounding enough and let's make it more punchy and more aggressive. So I've got all these different tools and then what I want to do plus the, the feedback from the composer is how I record the music or mix the music or, or master the music. As far as just the differences between you know film, television, and video games, especially with games nowadays, I mean, there, there's so much money into it, so much production. Uh, like you said, with the music, if you have voice acting, with what they do with motion capture, things like that, it's almost like on par what you see with some TVs and films. Now, as you being an engineer and you you study this, done this for a long time, do you see like a big difference between like a video game and movie and film, or is it really close nowadays with those big budget games like Star Wars? Yeah, the the wonderful thing about games is that for quite a few years now, for a long time, they've really wanted to have an incredibly high production value, and they've really looked to Hollywood to 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 have sort of a, a path and, and and have some 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 uh, some clues to how things should sound. If you want things to sound big and epic, I mean, you look at certain film things, and I'm not, I'm not just. Uh, I should be clear. I'm not trying to say that games are just copying films, but the film has a, a rich history of drama and excitement and music and production of music that really helps inform the emotions and helps tell the story. So. Um, and certain things in the game music industry are fresh and exciting and, and lots of stuff are unique to the game world. Um, to really dive into to what you're asking about, uh, of course, when I'm working on a film project or on a television project, the music is locked to that scene. So in other words, you could watch a film or a TV show over and over again, the music is always going to happen in exactly the same place because it's glued in there, right? It's a beginning to end, of course. So what that means is when I'm working on a scene, uh, I have the dialogue, I have a reference track with the dialogue and the temporary track, reference track, audio track of the sound effects. Um, for example, I, I, I did the music, I recorded the score and mixed the score for Elysium, which is a science fiction film, uh, Matt Damon came out about two years ago for Sony Pictures. Um, and so when I'm working on Elysium, I can see, is Matt Damon sick from the radiation? Is he throwing up? Is this like an awful moment in the film? Or is, are, is he shooting at things? Or are things blowing up, you know, the rockets and spaceships and stuff? So um, is there dialogue at any given part, at any given point in the music, is there dialogue? So... Um, I know, for example, I shouldn't push up the woodwinds too loud in the center speaker because there's dialogue there. Or I shouldn't push up that synth effect because there's dialogue there. Um, so I can sculpt the music cinematically for film and uh, for television, but I have a roadmap in front of me with, which helps informs my decisions. In games, it's different in that um, there are certainly moods created, the... the, the composer will create moods and you know certain pieces of music will shift there's something called a game engine in the game and depending how the player plays the the music will shift between different pieces of music to up the excitement to de to bring it down a bit kind of a thing so um the composer has built the score in, in building blocks in various ways and sometimes layers some projects have layers um 
but a lot of that stuff is magically handled these days by the game engine in terms of sh switching energies and switching emotions. So I'm not generally, I'm not specifically concerned with dialogue because depending how you play the game, the music will unfold differently every time. Uh, so it tends to be more of a mood and an energy and you know, what do we want the music to accomplish and how do we want it to sound generally in this part of the game, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I think that when you have, when it's just when you're hitting those things, like in, in a game, like when you got to the point where you can sit down and you see some of these games that, you know, come out like a movie, like I think about Heavy Rain and things like that, but even before that, even back with uh, Ninja Gaiden, you know, you had that first cinema effect and you had the music and the build-up even before you started the game and you had cutscenes, so it's like... I always thought that, wow, wow, it was heading towards that film. And even when they started having, like, live action, they had, like, actors come in and do it. And now you've gotten to the point where sometimes you even have a game competing with, you know, box office releases. <laughs> you know, that happened with Call of Duty. So it's like you've, it, video games has really reached up there and right up there with television and film. And Absolutely. And it's just incredible because of the advances in the game engine. I mean, I've worked on uh, multiple scores where there have been different layers to the score and how you play the score will seamlessly, you know, if you're down at the stealth level and then if you go poke around a corner and something happens or you do something, then it can go from stealth to excite to battle and it can ramp up. But the game engine is so great now that people are using the various game engines that people are using is that it can, it can know... It doesn't just jar, you know, in the old old days it used to like, whoa, the music just changed kind of a thing. And now it can wait to a, a specific point in the music, a bar and beat, and seamlessly switch to a musically appro appropriate place in a different piece of music or at a layer. And so the music can not be repetitive at all. And it, it's just just amazing how games and and the amazing people that build these things and the teams have, have really advanced the art. It's really tremendous and it's just such a great experience. I mean, it's really impressive. Now, as far as Star Wars, I mean, we recently just had, uh, you know, episode seven come out and people were going crazy about that. I mean, you have people who were watching the original uh, you have some people that just, wa you know, grew up when you had the, you know, original three come out and then you have people who were all the way back from the originals and now you have like even a new generation as far as battlefront like when i play it it's like what's great about it is when you're in there and you're shooting around and and you're hearing the music and hearing everything it's like wow this is the kind of games i want to play i remember back with dark forces on the pc you know that was kind of like kind of the first first person shooter type star wars game and it was just great with all the stuff that you know you grew up sneaking out at 11 to go see it and things like that. I mean, what was it actually like working on, like, Star Wars games and, and being such a big part of it? It's, uh, it's just tremendous fun. And I, I've had the pleasure now of working on four different Star Wars games. Uh, Star Wars Connect was, the, I guess, the first one. And uh, Star Wars 1313. Uh, which unfortunately didn't get finished. It's put on, been put on a definite hold. But I worked on Star Wars 1313 with composer Jesse Harlan. Um, Star Wars Connect was with Gordy Hab and Kyle Newmaster. And, um, and then uh, Star Wars Battlefront, which I, I think the hardest thing working on Star Wars Battlefront was not talking about it. Uh, the, the very strict non-disclosure agreements, and I... Uh, if I had a dollar for every non-disclosure agreement I've signed, I'd be a rich man. <laughs> uh, you know, in the gaming world, uh, and also the film world as well, I, I get it. People come up with ideas, and they don't want 
copycat films or copycat games and you know what's the expression loose lips sink ships they you know they just don't want people talking about their their projects and I, that's fine that's totally cool but to to have landed um Star Wars Battlefront with my longtime client and friend Gordy Hab composer Gordy Hab um we've worked on lots of projects over the years and he's a great great person to work with and writes awesome music um very much in this case i mean he his films work on all different kinds of music i mean sorry he writes music for all different kinds of styles but he also does star wars extremely well um and he can write in the style of john williams which was necessary for star wars battlefront because a minority of this of the score in star wars battlefront was the original old john williams scores but the majority of of the score and there was a lot of it is new music written by Gordy Hab in the style of John Williams and it had to be able to go John Williams Gordy Hab Gordy Hab John Williams John Williams Gordy Hab Gordy Hab Gordy Hab and you know as you're playing the game you're not supposed to notice and uh very pleased with how it all turned out one of the hardest things about working on EA Star Wars Battlefront was not talking about it because Gordy landed the projects a couple of years before the game actually came out and uh, he would write a bunch of music and then would get recorded, mixed, mastered, delivered, and then he'd go back to writing. And it was done that way in three big chunks um, over the course of about two years. I couldn't talk about it because of the non-disclosure agreement. So I was tremendously excited to be a part of the Star Wars universe again in a very small way. Um, but I couldn't tell anyone. So I was thrilled to finally be able to to talk about it and, and enjoy the excitement of you know, the new film coming out, and uh, I'm a big fan, so it, it's really been a lot of fun. So I, my last question, uh, now we know that, of course, you have a love for music, you have a love for film, Star Wars, of course. What about games? Like, are there games that you grew up playing, and do you still play now? I mean, I know with the work that you do, you're probably extremely busy, but is there games that you grew up with, and do you still play any games today? Yeah, you're... Uh, you're a wise man, J.A. <laughs> I, I have a very busy schedule. I'm, I'm very, very fortunate uh, to have tons of stuff going on with work, recording and mixing and mastering. So I really don't have a lot of time for games at all, um, you know, family life and so forth. Um, when I was very, very young, I would play things like Asteroid and things. Those were like a million years ago, and that was fun. Uh, and the very dawn of video games, I suppose. I mean, Pong. Um <laughs> But uh, one thing that I, I've enjoyed doing was that I worked on Star Wars Connect, and that's a very family-friendly friendly game, and with the um, sensor, you know, you can just jump around the living room and so forth, and playing Star Wars Connect with my daughter is just hilarious, and we, we don't do it enough, we've got lots of stuff to do, of course, family life, but uh, Star Wars Connect is, is a lot of fun to play with. I, I think when she's a little bit older, then we can play EA Star Wars Battlefront. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. Well, I, I just want to thank you, uh, John, for talking to us today and sharing your insights, not only in music, but also all the things that you've done. I mean, I, I think that anyone who works in anything, whether they want to be an actor, or game developer, or writer, or anything, would love to have the kind of career that you had. And just the fact that it's all encompassing, you love it, it's, it's really great to be able to talk to someone that has that insight and that experience. Thanks you very much for coming on with us. My pleasure. It's been just great to be here. Real pleasure and great to talk.